0: No credentials. Greatest album. One, two, three, four, one, two. Welcome back to the Sound Logic Podcast, and today we're discussing album number 11 on Rolling Stone Magazine's new top 500 list, and this is. As you guessed it from my intro there, Revolver by the Beatles.
1: I guess I need to make the music now after your intro. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is one of your favorites.
0: Uh, let me tell you how it will be. <laughs> uh, one for you, 19 for me. Yeah, this is, <laughs> man, this, it, it is, for me, the first Beatles album that i purchased and therefore listened to in its entirety i was into my early 20s before i decided you know what i've never listened to a beatles album i know lots of songs but Mm -hmm. i know they have a lot of really great albums so i should probably invest a bit in if i want to be a beatles fan at all i should probably get (laughs) an album or two and i'm not i can't remember why that's the one that I started with. I think that so I you knew in,
1: like the discount bin at Sam or something like that.
0: No, I think That's I got it cute. with a lot of my other albums at uh, deja vu discs. Oh, okay. Where I got a lot of albums, especially when I started getting into, okay, I need these albums by, yeah, by the Beatles and these albums by Floyd. Like, let's go and see what they have there. Cause you get a good price, you get a yep. second hand. So, um, and a lot of them, like they don't resell them unless they're in good shape. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a great place to get them. And I love it because there are some really big hits that are really easy to listen to, like Eleanor Rigby and uh, Gotta Get You Into My Life. And I Want to Tell You, Yellow Submarine, Good Day Sunshine, like just really, really mm-hmm. happy, peppy, well-known songs. And then there's yeah. some other stuff that's like, Really pushes the boundaries of what was contemporary music at the time. Songs uh-huh. like uh, "Taxman" and "Love to You," uh, just very different. Um, tomorrow using... Never
1: Knows too, closing out the album.
0: Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant to say. "Taxman" and "Tomorrow Never Knows" with uh, with sitar. And uh, playing drum loops backwards and like just some (laughs) really innovative stuff for 1966. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And it, I think this is the first, we've talked about this, Ben. This is the first Beatles album that really doesn't sound like early Beatles. This came after Rubber Soul, which they were starting to change, but that was like in my mind the pinnacle yeah. of that early beatles sound they mm-hmm. had kind of perfected mm-hmm. it you can hear in that album them starting to move away from it but they hadn't really moved away from it yet there's still that early sound there yeah. this one is is a departure into something new this is for those who say that sgt pepper's is the greatest beatles album and one of the greatest albums ever uh, this is regarded as the precursor to that like this is the jumping point To that, Mm -hmm. and on this 2020 list, the former champion number one album is bumped all the way down to number 24. (laughs) And what remains is Abbey Road at five and Revolver here at 11. Yeah, and it's still my favorite Beatles album, it's (laughs) one of my favorite all time albums, and not only because I think it's the first one I fell in love with, but there are so many good things and so many different things here. It's not 14 tracks that are all the same. Like, yeah, there are probably, yeah. you know, three or four that sound similar to each other. And man, it's just, I can't, I could go on and on and on. And yeah. you're going to listen to the review that we've already done. And <laughs> I'm sure I ramble there. But uh, yeah, I just, I gush about this. It's one of my all time faves. Uh, but enough about me. How do you feel about it? And this was number three, yeah. And now it's number eleven. I, I guess I'm okay with it because, like we said before, I don't need there to be five Beatles albums in the top ten. Like they're great, but we can represent them by one or two great albums. Uh, so I don't. I'm okay with it here. I still think it's one of the best. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts here? I. I'm not sure why I was so hard on it, but this album only
1: lasted one re-ranking for me. It was Man. only when we re-ranked the top ten the last time, and then it was gone from my list. Wow. Um, and I think it's been probably two years since I've listened to it, since, oh, our, since our episode listening to it. I, I look at the track list, though, right now and think, wow, there are some great songs here. What <laughs> oh, am <yeah>. I thinking?
0: <laughs> it's <stacked. laughs> i am
1: always... I'm always a sucker for their songs that talk about the sun or sunshine, and there's one (laughs) right in the middle there. Um, And, uh, yeah, and you're right. Unlike some of the other early Beatles albums, earlier Beatles albums that often have a really cringeworthy song on them Mm. um, Mm -hmm. because of the way that social norms have been dated over time or things like that, this one doesn't really, at least nothing... Super clear and apparent. I'm not a big fan of Yellow Submarine. I I don't know, um maybe just an overplayed kind of thought, but uh this is definitely uh an album where I could put it on today and my kids would know a bunch of the songs on it. Um and that's a really interesting dynamic too. Uh um yeah, I I'm really looking forward to this uh re-listen of our review because I, I wanna hear what I was thinking. Two years ago and Hmm. see how it compares to how i would think today if i put this album on and i I bet i bet i've warmed a little bit to this album um comparatively to two years ago so we'll see it'll be it'll be fun to go on this journey again
0: we've just rebooted our our new because rolling stone rebooted (laughs) we rebooted but just before that we had made it through 60 and when we did our last re-ranking and picking our top 10 of the 60 we had done i went back and i listened to everything i had in my top 10 and a few more just to make sure and this was one i revisited and i've listened to it uh since that which has been maybe a couple months ago i've listened to it again a few times because it was a reminder of just how much i love it and every time i put this album on it's this and a couple others i put them on and i go man I still, so after all these years, <laughs> after listening to it so many times, I still am just amazed at how good it is and how mm-hmm. much I want to listen to it. I mean, I think almost everything we love in our life, Ben, um, except for maybe those really, really close people to us, at some point, I mean, material things, at some yeah. point, uh, a lot of them fade. You know, yep. even if we just absolutely love them at one point, at another point, no something else takes its place and there's nothing wrong right, with that right and this yeah. is one for me i keep coming back to it again and again and i go i haven't listened to that in a while let's throw it on i go man yeah. <laughs> this
1: is so yeah. great
0: um yeah yeah i don't i don't feel that
1: way about this album in particular but the beatles in general i definitely yeah. do uh, yeah just recently maybe it's been on for a little while now but um sirius xm added a beatles only channel to okay. satellite radio we we still have it in our car and nice i know that the days where i'm not sure what to listen to i'm gonna click to that to that channel because i know mm-hmm. that i'll enjoy it it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what song where it's from it'll feel like that sort of old friend or cozy blanket you know i know i'm gonna enjoy it and uh, it's funny having not put this album on for two years but you know it's on in my headphones right now and i'm I could feel myself enjoying it, (laughs) even while we're talking. And so, um, yeah, yeah,
0: there's something something there. Something about it. Uh, And it's it's a 14 song album, yet it's only 35 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you bump from song to song very fast because they're so short. So it's just like just keeps it coming, bam, bam, bam. You know, like just and they're not sometimes I hear a song that's short and think oh I could go for another verse like uh-huh. like that's a two and a half minute song that could easily be four minutes and I wouldn't get bored of it but this one it's like it ends and I go huh that one's over but another one comes on and <laughs> I've forgotten so anyways yeah. yeah. Um, so what we got coming up next time Ben
1: yeah um, we hope you hang around and listen to our um, review of Revolver from a couple of years ago Um, Coming up at uh, album number 12 on the 2020 list is Michael Jackson's Thriller, a really uh, uh, iconic and really one of the best-selling albums of all time. It's moved up from
0: number 20 on the 2012 list, so um, that'll be next time. We hope you'll join us then. Thank you for listening to this, and stick around for our previous review of The Beatles' Revolver, coming up right after this. I'm Ben, and you're listening to The Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list.
1: Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Today, we're discussing album number three from Rolling Stone's Top 500 album list. This one is Revolver by The Beatles. We didn't get enough Beatles in episode one. We're back in episode three, already talking about the Fab Four again. And we're going to hit it up a few more times here. Uh, this list, especially in the first few, really loves the Beatles.
2: They put four Beatles albums in the top ten, so uh, we're going to talk about them a lot, which I personally don't have a problem with, it, but that's just the way it is. We both have the same answer to this question, but have you listened to this album before? sparking on this project?
1: Yeah, similar to with Sgt. Pepper's. uh, During that phase of grad school where I binge-watched the Beatles anthology series, I downloaded them all. I had all the studio albums, and uh, and so yeah, I've listened to it in its entirety uh, on numerous occasions, and I'm looking forward to discussing it today.
2: This is the first Beatles album that I bought, you know, in TV form to have the album and growing up especially in my late teens and early 20s i never felt like i needed to buy beatles music because at work we listened to the radio all day long and the local classic rock radio station we listened to played so many beatles songs all the time and they did a segment uh, every day called the beatles break where they played a couple i don't know if it was you know, four in the afternoon they played a couple beatles tracks and usually they played like a popular one and kind of a deeper cut. I knew, you know, I had heard tons of Beatles music, but when I felt I wanted to go a little deeper, somehow I knew whether someone had told me or I'd heard it that Revolver was the one I wanted to get. So I went and I saw it and I bought it. And uh, as I started to buy more Beatles albums and listen to more of their music, this is still my very favorite. And I don't think it's because it's the first one to buy. There's just so much I really, really like on it.
1: We maybe should hold off on saying whether this is true, but it'd be fun sometime to talk through what our favorite Beatles album is. Um, there's so many good ones, but it seems like everyone has a personal favorite. Mine has changed over time. I was I was really into uh, Hard Days Night, the movie. Oh, after watching Beatles Anthology, right? And I, I don't know. For some reason, I think it just exemplified what i thought the beatles were supposed to sound like at that point in my life and i listened to that a lot uh so anyway it, i won't spoil it for what my favorite is now but it'd be, it'll be interesting to talk about that maybe maybe we have to refinish the top 10 and we get through these four
2: are you saying you're not sure if you want to keep that in or not where i say it's my favorite you want to come back to that
1: oh did you say it was your favorite
2: this is still my very favorite I did.
1: Oh, I'm
2: clearly not doing a good
1: listening... uh, Yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about that after.
2: (laughs) So let's give a little context on this album. Uh, It was released on August 5th in 1966, and it was the band's seventh studio album. We have discussed there were some recordings before that, and the U.S. list and the U.K. list can differ, but we're going to go with the seventh. But I can tell you this, it came after... Rubber Soul and came before Sgt. Peppers. Uh, all songs were written by Lennon McCartney except for three that were written by George Harrison as Taxman, Love You Too, and I Want to Tell You. Uh, and it charted at number one in both the US and the UK. Worldwide sales we got somewhere around six million, uh, that's up until now. And a couple notes on the album. Here's an interesting one. It won one Grammy in 1967 for best album cover.
1: Which I didn't even realize
2: was a thing. I'm pretty sure it's not a thing anymore.
1: Yeah, it it's evolved into, it's now called the Grammy for the best recording package. So <laughs> it, it still has to do with like the physical appearance of an album. But they still give a Grammy for this. Really? Yeah it's it's not it's it's changed the title a couple of times throughout history, um, but they still do award something like this and and they've changed parameters over time. They used to hand out one for sort of pop rock and one for classical. Then there was a shift to just hand out one uh, at some point I'm guessing it was probably in the 90s when everyone started doing this they banned box sets from being. Uh, able to receive this Grammy because <laughs> box sets often get these like really elaborate, robust artwork. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's something I never knew was a thing until today.
2: And they were inducted into the, or sorry, this album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1999. Do you, do you even know what that is? No. Okay, we'll skip that part because I don't know what it is. <laughs> For an album we both profess to love so much, uh, we really don't know much about it so far.
1: Just listen um, to the songs.
2: And then, you know, we know that this was the last album they recorded before they stopped performing live. Yeah. So we saw that in Charge of Peppers, they were way more experimental because they knew they didn't have to reproduce them live. And I think we start seeing this even more in Revolver than had happened before. Because I think, I would expect they probably knew that this was coming or had talked about it a little bit they knew that they were kind of heading in this direction besides uh, a really bad nightmare
1: <laughs> it's an album cover i've always looked fairly quickly at without really looking at what the different faces are i don't know if they're are they all pictures of the beatles or are there other are there other people thrown in as well the guy who's sort of right in the center looks a bit amish or something with the beard there
2: <laughs> That's Lennon, and I, I've always felt like, who's this Amish guy in the middle of the Beatles album? cover? <laughs> Snuck
1: into the photo shoot.
2: <laughs> yeah, some of these albums are really small or, or slightly obscured. As far as I can see, they're all photos or drawings of the Beatles. Yeah. And uh, we look at the, that picture of John Lennon where it looks like he just has a chin strap beard, and it's like there's something placed around his face, another image. Uh, So I don't think he had uh, been dabbling in that religion at all. Although I wouldn't put it past him. I don't (laughs) think that's what happened. One of the things that I always felt really, really super creepy is when you can look at an image of this and get real close, you can see that the four big drawings of the guys in the band on at least one of them, and that's George Harrison on the bottom right corner, they're actual photographic images of their eyeballs have been placed into the drawing Mm. Um, and that to me just like is really creepy if you look you know I have a copy of the album you look closely at George Harrison those are actually I would assume his eyeballs photographic images of them so you get the shine there in the midst of this pencil drawing and it's like a little unsettling yeah for real
1: the, the artist was supposedly um, imagining these images tumbling out of the drawings. He saw the drawings okay. as sort of one state of consciousness and these little bits of their past kind of tumbling out of them.
2: It, it's certainly an interesting cover. I guess we'd have to use the word iconic just because of who it was and when it, when it came out and and how good the album is. For a long time, I did just kind of look past it before you kind of you really got to look close and dig into what it is it's kind of just this yeah like this just this big jumble of images of the band it, it's it is very 60s and psychedelic um, but not as focused and structured I feel as Sgt Pepper's for example where you can see a bit more of a thought process on who they've got in there what they've laid out again very complex uh, but there's a bit more I guess strategy. I, you know, I, I don't want to offend the artist uh, and the creative license in creating this because there's obviously a, a design here. But um, yeah, I guess to the to the layman's eye, that one just seems to, it's just a little more appealing. Again, this one just has a few things that are just a little unsettling. That kind of you look at it and go, yeah, okay, uh, that's enough.
1: Well, it strikes me um, the albums that came before this are mostly their foreheads in a kind of Uh, serious, weird, too cool kind of pose. Various arrangements. And everything that comes after, with the exception of the White Album, which is just blank, is like flamboyant, exploding color, um, psychedelic. So this kind of is a placeholder in the way that their sound is shifting between the sort of old look and the new look that's about to be unveiled. It does seem... Like a strange choice to go with a black and white, given that there's such a shift happening in their musical sound at this point.
2: Well, on their next album, Sgt. Pepper's, that's the first time we see any of them with facial hair.
1: Right. Except for the Amish beard on this cover.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even think that's his facial hair in that image. Um, and it's also the first time we start seeing them grow their hair differently than each other they always pretty much been the same yeah. in these images we start seeing you know it's a little shaggier a little different than each other and then of course when we get into the peppers we see them just starting to do their own thing right so this is again this is always referred to as this was the precursor Sgt. peppers this was the stepping stone from this album to that album uh, so we see the beginnings of all those things even in Artistry 14 tracks on this album. We start off with tax Man, Eleanor Rigby, I'm Only Sleeping, Love You Too, Here, here, There, and Everywhere, Yellow Submarine, submarine. She She Said, She Said. Good day, sunshine. sunshine. Good day. And your bird can sing. She she wakes up, For no one. She, makes up.
0: she takes her time
2: and d- Dr. Robert I, Rob, I want to tell you. you. Got, to got to get you into my life. Tomorrow never knows. So a whole lot of music. Yeah. Uh, many of the tracks are, are not very long, you know, just just over two minutes, two and a half minutes. Um, and not to say anything negative about a short song, but you know, they fit a lot of music under this album. You know, what tracks jump out to you when you look at this list?
1: Well, I hate to be striking the same chord that I was on Sgt. Peppers, but I, I feel like Love to You feels forced. Mm, perhaps even more so than the inclusion of the sitar music did on Sgt. Peppers. Um, because I think what we were talking about last time was, you know, they didn't just take a sound and try and mush it into a, a rock song. Here it does feel like they kind of took a sound and mushed it into a rock song. Um, more so, I think. yeah,
2: a little bit more. I would agree.
1: Uh, of course, this is becoming this is coming before that, and so you know maybe they learned their lesson and did a better job the next time. The other one that just seems a little out of place is the concluding track, and similar again to Sergeant Pepper's, it almost makes me feel like there was a good complete album tracks one to thirteen. Why'd you stick number fourteen on the end there? It just doesn't quite fit like it, fl- uh, it doesn't quite flow to me with uh, the rest of it. It feels like the most conceptual, I think, um, if we want to call this again a concept album. And I would have been fine without it on there. Um, it's interesting and it's kind of c- clever and fun. Got to Get You into My Life is just such a magical, upbeat song, and I'm on a high, and then. I'd rather the album the album just ended there, rather than going into this kind of like weird, amorphous, I don't know, to close out the album.
2: Well, oh, you you just want everything to be tidy, don't you?
1: Yes, it's number three <laughs> on the greatest albums of all time. <laughs> How can they be flawed? It should be perfect.
2: Well, I'm going to mostly dis- disagree with you. <laughs> I really. I really like Tomorrow Never Knows. It is very experimental. It's, it's. I imagine if you're listening to this in 1966, you're going, that's weird, but um, there were a lot of things that were weird, so maybe it wasn't that weird. Got to get you into my life. But, and I'll say the same thing that I said with A Day in the Life for Sgt. Peppers. I don't see you going into another track after that track. I don't see you going the way that Tomorrow Never Knows and kind of has this some weird... You know, backward guitar sounds and uh, piano tinkling around at the end. of tour. Yeah. I don't see going into another track. So it's almost like...
1: I totally agree with that. It has to be last.
2: Got to Get You Into My Life is the last track. But then there's a little something special after that. <laughs> and, uh, and I like that.
1: I can't go anywhere else on the album. I just think...
2: Right. Thirteen. Your counter argument is, you know, don't like even it put was it good enough. You think we should do one more? We should do one more. <laughs> um, what do you got? Uh, so, let's just
1: throw some jumbled sounds together.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it'll be great. Um, no, I, I, I definitely, I, I hear you, but, um, you know, and I like the more little dissonant, little weird stuff, and, and you know, and and I'm listening to it with so. Such different years, you know, 50 years later absolutely. than at the time. And probably a lot of people were like, oh, this is like way out there. But then, on the other hand, they were the Beatles, and they could kind of do whatever they wanted.
1: Yeah, and it's very possible that uh, some of the other songs on here were just as uh, outlandish as Tomorrow Never Knows. We just don't hear them that way anymore. Yellow Submarine could have been nonsense to the first people who heard it. Even the third track, I'm Only Sleeping, is like kind of in a haze and oh, I'm imagining yeah. that would have been pretty wild to hear the first time.
2: Yeah, that, that's a bit of a trippy song, isn't it? I have a memory of Eleanor Rigby. I think it was a high school English class, like a grade 10 English class, and we listened to it and they had it written out all the lyrics and it parsed out all the syllables <laughs> and just how, how it really works as poetry. I don't know if that was an official thing or if that teacher just really, really liked the Beatles and wanted to find a way to talk about it at school. Um, either way, I'm okay with it. Interesting. But uh, that always stuck with me. As a it now, I think about the because the Eleanor Rigby and Father McKenzie they're the same, the same syllables, like the same. Yeah. It's the same, right? And and it's really cool how they did that. And so much of that song and many of the other ones are. Are not lyrically, but the way that they're written, the prose is is way beyond what so many of their their peers were doing in music. Yeah. Uh, again, this is why they were they did what they did, and they were so amazing. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, just a, a great example of their their excellent uh, uh, lyrical skills.
1: Yeah. I had an interesting experience just today. Um, I was. Doing my homework and listening to this album to get ready this afternoon and put it on. And uh, two of my kids came into the living room and wanted to kind of dance around. Um, Taxman is such a fun, bouncy, you know, we were like, I was throwing them up in the air. They were loving it. And then Element Rigby comes on and it's just this like, it almost felt like a funeral march. Like they just said, like, Daddy, what is this? And, uh, it just totally changed the mood. And I'd never considered before the roller coaster ride of emotion that this album takes you on. Because oh, then yeah. I skip to I'm only sleeping, thinking, well, maybe the next one will be better to dance around to. It's also kind of like this melancholy <laughs> sway, very different than Eleanor Rigby, but also not necessarily upbeat like like Taxman. The next track is no better because it's the sort of experimental uh, sitar. Um, And here, there, everywhere is, you know, we're six, five songs in and we've got five completely different sounding tracks. Sixth song is Yellow Submarine. So finally you're back to something more danceable, but it's totally different than Taxman. And I think the whole, it just does that the whole way through. Uh, so maybe I'm changing my mind. Maybe Tomorrow Never Knows is fitting with the whole <laughs> the whole thing. It just I just don't like it as much as some of the other songs. Maybe that's my, my beef. It's the crux of all of my issues with this project that we're undertaking. <laughs> if I don't like it, it's not going to fit. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, it, it is very diverse, yeah. just as Sgt. Pepper's is diverse yeah. in, in its sounds and in its lyrics. There are so many different styles of songs. And for some reason, once again, they, they really do, even though they're different, they go so well together. And as an album, it goes, it just front to back, it goes well. There are a lot of songs on here that I would expect most people would be familiar with. Eleanor Rigby, Yellow Submarine, Good Day Sunshine, The God to Get You Into My Life. There's probably a few more that most people have heard. Uh, and I remember playing this uh, for my wife. Hey, have you have you heard "Revolver"? And, no, I don't think so. I Played it, and it's like, oh yeah, I know that. I know that. I know that. <laughs> yeah. They're all on one album. Is this a is this a compilation? Right. Nah, it's just a really good album. And I feel like most of these songs, maybe a few exceptions, most of them could be singles. Right. I think some of those more experimental, more Eastern sounding ones, maybe would have struggled as singles but but a lot of them i really i always really really like and your bird can sing with that double that harmony guitar line uh through it kind of fuzz tone uh i thought that's a that's a really cool thing very simple but really effective
1: yeah and it's um not only these 13 songs but they recorded paperback writer at the same time oh yeah it's not on the album but it Gets released as a single oh. and it goes up to number one. It's the same era, same recording. I don't know what the decision was. That should have been there instead of tomorrow. Never knows. Get, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hung up. Um, yeah, so so prolifically writing uh, music here um, that they're releasing number one singles that aren't on any album. It's just it, it's hard to imagine that now.
2: That happened with Peppers because um, they released some singles after Peppers that didn't have an album. Or around the same time, uh, Strawberry Fields was oh, one, wow. and and those out like those songs just got dumped onto the second side of Magical Mystery Tour. So Magical Mystery Tour was only like six songs, and then they had all these singles that didn't go on any albums. <laughs> they just slapped it on the other side. <laughs> it wasn't any less successful yeah. because of it. Uh, but, yeah, they just just keep pumping out music. It's you know, amazing. I think if you're a producer or record exec and an artist comes to you with a dynamite track, you just get it out there. Right. <laughs> oh, you don't have any other tracks yet? Ah, well, make it a single.
1: Yeah, so interesting.
2: Do we have information on the title, Revolver? Because I don't think it shows up as a lyric in the album at all is this a reference to a type of gun or, or what is this
1: the only thing i could find is that the band was really into dual meanings uh rubber sole was really where it all began uh that you know can be sole of a shoe or like your physical soul that's bendy um they like the right. idea that a record spins around and it's a it is a type of revolver and it could also be seen as yes. a gun um my be, probably before ever hearing this album, learning about the Beaz- Beatles catalog, and called it Revolver. That sounds dark and disturbed. And I could have sworn that in those pencil drawings of the faces on the cover, there was a gun at some point. But it's clearly not there, and I, <laughs> I'm imagining things. But yeah, I always thought that that gave the album kind of a darker tone than than some of their other more whimsical. Uh, titles.
2: I'm like moving, I'm moving my head around in different angles to see if I can find the gun <laughs> you there squint
1: now. squint really hard? Maybe?
2: I assumed before I listened to this album that it would be a lot more psychedelic uh, in its entirety, just from the, the mm. look of it and when mm. I heard that it was a precursor to Sgt. Pepper's, I thought it would be kind of a a much more experimental album. Yeah. There are a couple tracks, as we've discussed, that are, but, but most of it is not. It's, it's just great Music. Yeah I
1: think that this Is the sweet spot For this group
2: Okay There
1: There are songs That I think Can take me All the way back To the early 60s I want to tell you maybe And Andrew Bird can sing Just sound like that Like early You know kind of Goody pub Skiffle or something like that They were fitting a genre Early in their In their careers
2: Dr. Robert for sure you know, very much that.
1: But then there are more conceptual songs on here, and there are just like good sweet spot songs too. That that I think would not be out of place on their very final studio yeah. album. And that says something that they can sort of hold. They can sort of sort of bookend their career in a singular album. There are songs that you know you wouldn't be surprised to learn had been on the first right. album nor the last. Their, their career wasn't that long, I guess we should acknowledge that up front as well. You know, their studio albums only span eight years. But, but yeah, it's, it's it's probably the album I would point to if someone said, like, what do the Beatles sound like? I might I might hand them revolver and say, This is a pretty good summary of what they're capable of doing. It gets weirder.
2: Yeah, you're right, a, a, Yeah, a representative of a little bit from every part of their career, yeah. it's interesting that you talk about that balance between kind of what they sound like at the time, what they sounded like earlier, and what you know, what was yet to come. How interesting that we just talked about the Beach Boys' pet sounds, and we talked about the same thing. How we heard that typical Beach Boys surf sound yeah. that was. Present on a number of the tracks, but not all of them, and it wasn't overwhelming on the album as a whole. The album pointed to something much greater. I think this album does the same. We hear some of that early Beatles sound, which everybody loved, uh, but not too much. There's like, oh, here's just another, you know, 1964 Beatles album. We heard new things too, some things that maybe not everybody was ready for, but it pointed to the next step. So, Great balance in all those aspects. I've always enjoyed the Harrison tracks on any Beatles album. Uh, you know, the opening track here, "Taxman." Uh, I really like it. There's parts of it that are kind of weird, kind of experimental, but as a whole, it's it's a fun sing-along, dance-along song. And also, uh, "Love You Too." Again, that's the got that Eastern uh, sitar, tabla sounds. Uh, I think the term Hindustani uh, that he and and I want to tell you. Um, what I want to tell you is much more. It sounds a little bit more like a Lennon McCartney song. It's more anthemic. Usually, Harrison songs are a little more insular, a little more. Oh, what's the word? I lost it. <laughs> Anyways, um. Uh, yeah, but I like—I really like the Harrison tracks, and I really think he was a gifted songwriter. And although Lennon McCartney took the, the vast majority of the songwriting, the times that he did come and write songs, I really, really liked them. I thought uh, that they deserved to be you know, at the forefront. And I love that he gets the opening track here.
1: Yeah, he's got a solo album in the Rolling Stone list, right?
2: Yes, I believe he does.
1: It'd be interesting to get to that one as
2: well. We'll get to that one in about three years.
1: (laughs) He's someone I've respected and admired, but um, I don't think I can put my finger on what it is that's a George Harrison sound in the same way that I can for Lennon and McCartney. So I'm looking forward to there someday.
2: (laughs) I think they're more they're more guitar driven, more guitar driven than melody driven. Mm -hmm. And Lennon McCartney's songs, I think, for the most part, are are, are melody and lyric mm-hmm. driven. George's songs are a little more guitar driven, and there's more dissonance in both some of the lyrics and the yeah. music. This album, with all its you know kind of experimental sounds and sounds from other cultures, is it still relevant uh, in this?
1: The it's absolutely still relevant, um, but similar to Pet Sounds, it definitely sounds dated at times as well. I think with Eleanor Rigby, you've also you've already mentioned that lyrically it's tackling some some deeper things perhaps than, than songs that have come before, and and similar to Sergeant Pepper's, I guess some of the songs that I think date it the most are also the ones that are are such such easily um, palatable songs for people of any age Uh, you know When I'm 64 strikes me as a a very similar parallel to Yellow Submarine where you know you put it on and the first few notes play and everyone's singing along right away Um, in my run through this evening I (laughs) uh, with my kids uh, when Yellow Submarine came on I said to my oldest have you ever heard this song she said oh yeah I asked the five year old and she said no I don't think so and then the chorus played and she said oh yeah And I asked the two-year-old, have you ever heard this song? And he said, yep. And just right away. um, I'm not sure how (laughs) incredible that last comment was, but, uh, you know, they're dancing around and singing. I don't really like the song much at all, but it's timeless in terms of its accessibility and uh, how quickly people people connect with it and, and know that it's fun. I think it feels a little silly to me for some reason. I feel strange knocking it for that because I think it's meant to be silly. For some reason, Dr. Robert also feels like zany in a way that I don't know if it holds up real well. And to, for me, that's more about the sound quality than the, um, than the lyrical content or something like that. I'm not sure what it is about that one specifically that, that feels out of touch. There are some songs, though, that uh, I just think are, are so well well done. I think Eleanor Rigby may be the one that rises to the top for me. Um, but Good Day Sunshine is such a great song, and I really, really like Got to Get You yes. Into My Life. Those three tracks, I think, are, are probably the ones that I just think are, are classics that will sound just as good in 20 years as they do today or did 50 years ago.
2: For sure, and I agree. and I think that one of the things that can make a song very good is its ability to allow people to engage in it and, yeah. and sing along with it or play along with it. And many of these songs are not to say that they're simple or easy, but they're easy to sing along. With. They have melodies that aren't too challenging, lyrics and perhaps music. So you've got a song like a uh, Origins or... Yellow Submarine Ice is probably the best example. It's easy to sing along. And it is silly, but that allows, I mean, little kids, are you going to play music in your your music collection? Are you going to play it for your kids? Probably a lot of it that you wouldn't or that is not necessarily inappropriate, but they're not really going to have any connection to it. Here's a song from a a band that's certainly not a kid's band that is really accessible for kids. It feels like a children's song. And, and as much as that does make it in some ways seem a little out of place, also makes it very, very accessible. And I think that's something that for this song in particular has kind of propelled it all these decades. Is still one that is very much enjoyable.
1: It feels a little bit more serious than Sgt. Pepper's. And I'm not sure if it's just the, uh, the way that Sgt. Pepper's opens. They're both... I guess referenced by people as concept albums, but Sergeant Peppers feels more theatrical and a bit more fun. Yes, this feels more like they're really trying yeah. to make a great album. And I like it for that. I've been kind of going back and forth, you know, now three albums deep on how I'd reshuffle things. And I think it probably will depend on the day where I actually sit down to make my rankings on whether I put this one ahead or behind Sergeant Peppers. They're both so good and I have a hard time deciding which one I like more.
2: So on that note, do you keep this at number three?
1: It's definitely justifiable to have it at number three. Right. It, was, it was definitely sound logic to include it on this list and to include it as high as they did. Yes. Um, I think that I could be convinced that it could be the greatest album of all time. I could also be convinced that it deserves to be knocked down a few pegs. Yep. Uh, it's not an album that I am scratching my head as to why it's included. And I think we'll get to a few of those coming up here in the next little bit. Uh, Perhaps,
2: perhaps very soon.
1: (laughs) Perhaps no spoilers though. No,
2: no, we don't do that here.
1: (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, this is a great album and uh, definitely a good reminder of, of how good the pinnacle of the Beatles career really was.
2: Yeah, for sure. I personally, would rank this album higher than Sgt. Pepper's. However, I recognize that Sgt. Pepper's re- was received much better, was commercially much more successful, and uh, critically is acclaimed much higher. And for that reason, I can understand why that would take the top spot, at least in terms of Eels albums on this list, if not just albums as a whole. Uh, I think maybe... Sgt. Peppers is also a little easier to listen to Uh front to back. It's a little less challenging. And I like an album that's a little more challenging, not necessarily super weird or super obscure, but I find Revolver to be more challenging sonically. So that has caused for me to enjoy it and enjoy listening to it. And I think some of the really big hits, there's, some more recognizable songs on revolver but i guess that even that statement in itself is subjective so um yeah i would put it higher but i understand why the curators of this list would have put peppers at one and then pet sounds and then this and uh, I, i can totally understand that i don't really have issue with it so the conclusion is that yes this was sound logic we don't have to go to the the baby shark seal of disapproval not yet no not yet but perhaps very soon
1: we might ask
2: how does it feel (laughs) well on that note we want to thank you once again for joining us on sound logic and we hope you join us next time when we discuss what album i don't know no. <laughs> uh, next
1: up is number four on Rolling Stone's top 500 album list: "Highway 61 Revisited" by Bob Dylan. I'd kind of like to hear Highway 61 the first time through.
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's what that means, but we'll we'll get into that.
1: Sounds good. Good to talk to you, buddy. We'll see you soon.
0: If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review
1: send us a message at our Facebook page on Instagram or through our sound logic podcast, Twitter feed. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that classic episode of ours. Tune in next time for the next album on the new 2020 Rolling Stone list.